Bollocks Podcast. TB or not TB, you decide. Hi everybody, I am Benjamin, the UK's most hated sales trainer, and this is another episode of my podcast, Talking Bollocks. TB or not TB, you decide. Now, as you know, this podcast is all about talking to ordinary, everyday salespeople, not leaders, not gurus, not experts, not someone trying to plug a book or a methodology or anything like that, just someone who's out there in the trenches. And we want to hear about their successes, but more importantly, we want to hear about their failures because we love failure because we can relate to failure. So I have a special guest and I've known this gentleman for for many years, actually. Uh, We met through LinkedIn. So for those who say social selling is a complete crock, it's got some, some minor benefits to it so we we met many many years ago we've met in person on several occasions in fact we had a bear i think it was last week uh, at a trade show so i'm going to get him to introduce himself his name is richard i'm going to get him to tell you who he is where he works what he does and then we're going to crack on so over to you richard thank you benjamin uh good to be on here so yeah my name is richard smith i am a salesman of about 14 years um in the trade and I am currently the VP of sales uh, at a company called Refract, although we were acquired last year, hence the, the swag that I'm uh, dosing myself in right now uh, by a company called Allego, who are um, a, company, a software company based in the US. Um, but yeah, I've, uh, I've kind of had a very atypical career in sales, uh, failed pretty miserably at university. I'm sure we'll probably get onto that. Um, landed in sales because, you know, nothing else that I could probably do at that point in my, my life. Done all roles from being an SDR, even though they weren't called SDRs back then, um, through to now being fortunate enough to be leading the sales team um, here at Allego. So, yeah, that's my, that's my introduction in history in a, in a, in a very tight nutshell. Oh, very good, very good. Okay, yeah, well, actually, you've already touched on something earlier because I've been asking everybody this because, like, you're like me, you know this. Most people, virtually, I'd say 95% of people in sales are there by default, not by design. This is not what they wanted for their life. They had plans, they had dreams, they had goals, and then reality slapped them around the face like a wet fish and they needed to make money. So how? how tell us your story. How did you get into selling? How is it you become a 14-year veteran now? Yeah, well... um, so I, weirdly enough, I had a, a real big interest in IT at school, um, and I was pretty good at it. And when I say I was good at IT, I mean, thinking back then, it's almost ridiculous. Like, I could make a spreadsheet, I could write a Word document, and in my in, in my education years of school, you could get like an A, GCSE, IT, if you could actually put together like a spreadsheet, which was the, the, uh, the technical aptitude you had to have. So I thought, hey, I'm pretty good at this IT stuff. I'll do, um, I'll do a degree at university in IT. And uh, I saw this computer science degree and thought, hey, I'm going to take my Microsoft Word and Excel and uh, Microsoft Access. Remember that one? Um, I'm going to take that skill and I'm going to nail this university thing. Um, and I realized I was far less intelligent than I, real, than I, than I actually was because um, there was people on my course who were much smarter than me that could you know, write code and develop things. And that was far beyond my level of aptitude. And um, quite frankly, I came out with a, what they call a Desmond 2-2, um, which is a pretty <laughs> underwhelming, uh, underwhelming degree. I think in the, in the process, disappointed my parents who were both teachers um, that you know, they, they, they paid for their, um, you know, their son to go through university and come out with a pretty bang average uh, score at the end of it yeah. realized i wasn't going to do anything in um was never going to be a developer 
I'd, I'd failed at that pretty pretty much. Um, found myself working in a call centre. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and, yeah. As as the we gateway, all do. The gateway, the <laughs> gateway. Um, and at, back then I was trying to persuade um, and sell basic energy grants to pensioners and people who, um, yeah, uh, the, the kind of underprivileged in society. Um, and uh, yeah, did that far longer than I thought I was going to do it for. Um, how, and, long, um, how long did you do that for? So I was like, I'm going to do this, get, get, get a job for two months doing this, you know, yeah. pay some bills, earn some beer money for the weekends. Yeah. And I'm going to land, get a, a, a proper job, as they say. Um, but yeah, a year and a half later, and I was still in this call center, um, hating my life um, and, and, and ultimately going for interviews for other sales jobs and not actually getting landing any of those jobs too. So, so, what, it was a bit of a so, time. so, so for the viewer then, what was a proper job? Did you know what the proper job was, or did you just know it wasn't sales? I don't actually know what in my head was a proper job. I yeah. think it was kind of in a in a place where I could put on a shirt and tie and a suit. Uh, maybe was the the definition that I created in my head. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's not me being defamatory. There's you know some good oh. people who work in that call center. Ultimately, I just felt. You know, at that point in time, my parents, who were both teachers, who'd paid for me to go through this this education system, were like, "What on earth has happened to you? Like, we've invested, we've put." So it's fair to say your parents were disappointed. You. Oh yeah, and when I when I told them I'd landed my first sales job, then even (laughs) the disappointment just extended. They just thought, "What? What you're going to be like flogging like double glazing or PPI insurance or you know?" I think that was what what was in their head when I said I got my first job in proper job in sales was this sense of kind of underwhelming reality struck them of like oh dear what's what's happened here what's gone wrong wow wow that's that's i i bet that is a very common story i bet the number of people out there that when they told their parents after finishing university or whatever and having to get a job when having told them they're in sales the look would have been why what what yeah because people see sales as such a derisory role especially if you're a professional Yet the, this is what annoys me. The whole world is predicated on selling. The entire capitalist system is people create something and then they sell it. It's the foundation for our civilization, yet it is still scorned upon because we spend our lives watching movies about dodgy car salesmen. Right. We've all been burned in the past, been ripped off by some shyster. Or someone's phoned us up at home and, as you say, tried to sell us a grant and been pushy uh, and aggressive. And, uh, we, yeah, so, wow. So... What is your worst experience as a salesman? Your most embarrassing, your most humiliating, maybe a moment you've been in the middle of the throes of doing something and you've almost wanted the world to open up and swallow you. You think of, you think of that moment. Oh, I mean, there's, there's, there's many. Um, I do cast my mind back a couple of years ago. So fairly recent. Um, this is when we could go in and, you know, shake people's hands in offices and things like that. And people would welcome oh, you yes, into their office. Yes. Um, so, I went to a uh, visit a prospect, um, not a client as people call them because they weren't a client. You know, I hear, I hear lots of people say, "I've, yeah, I've got, I'm, I'm off to see a client today, a client that's never paid me a pound of money yet." So, you, how would you call them a client? Anyway, that's yeah. another thing. I went to see a prospect at their office, yeah. and my 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 contact had helped me kind of get in the door. They weren't the decision maker, yeah, um, but they'd kind of like. Prime me, it felt like things were in a good place. We had initial good conversations. He was like, right, we're going to meet the CEO today. So, and he said, right, this guy's pretty straight talking. That's fair enough. I've met plenty of CEOs in my time. Yeah. Um, 
anyway, I can only describe the next sort of 45 minutes was just one of the worst experiences of my life um, <laughs> with this CEO who uh, kind of like to, to, to say that I didn't, um, I felt like I was on the back foot was uh, would be an understatement. Um, he was, it was like, he was like, right, I'm going to, I'm going to give this guy a rough ride. That was the mentality. Right. He didn't want to, he didn't want to, he didn't want to answer any of my questions. He, uh, the questions I did ask, he would question why I was asking them. Um, and I, it, this just went on and on. And I kind of like would look at my contact who invited me in, in, into, in the first place. He was sat in the meeting room kind of thinking, what's going on here? Like, if you, can you not help me out? And he just kind of sat there kind of slope back into the, the docks of the uh, of the room and thought, I'm going to let Rich, you know, kind of walk the plank himself here. Was he um, enjoying watching you get eviscerated, maybe? Quite, maybe quite possibly. <laughs> um, anyway, what I, what I kind of learned, um, you know, is like, I think me standing my ground back in that, in that, in that meeting in hindsight actually probably helped. Um, yeah. And I think there was an element of him testing me and seeing, you know, what's this, what's this guy really all about? Um, and I actually came out of that, came out of that meeting. I remember, I remember like saying to myself, I don't want to do business with this customer. I, that's, in fact, I'm, I'm convinced that we're not even going to do business t- together. Um, lo and behold, that, uh, a, week, uh, a week later, a contract was signed with that, with that customer. Um, and I think for me, it was just a moment that I just, I'd felt like I'd been put through the ringer. I was, yeah. you know, made to feel like, incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but actually kind of came out of it learning some stuff too, which what was... Um, learn, what, what was the lesson from that experience you took away? Then how did you apply it going forward? Yeah, so the lesson I, I learned was like, first of all, don't just walk into a, don't walk, walk into a meeting room just because you've had a good positive conversation and built up some kind of rapport with an initial contact. Don't think that that's going to, kind of bleed through to other stakeholders in the in the yeah. in the business there's 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 multiple personalities profiles um politics at play yeah. um the second part is the one thing i kind of one side kind of i didn't i didn't get until i um riled up in that meeting even though i was kind of feeling it inside and instead yeah. I kind of just asked this guy back at various points in the meetings the questions like it sounds like it sounds like we're off, we're off the wrong we're on the wrong tracks here. And every time I did that, this guy pulled me back in, said, "No, no, that's not the case." And I think when you when you are in those situations where you you feel like you're in a fractious situation, yeah, one of the best things you can do in sales is pull away. You know, like like move left if they're going right, because oftentimes prospects, if they see that you're pulling away and that you you're actually prepared to like walk away from that meeting, you're not you're not there, you're not expecting the deal, they will. Yeah. Prospects don't when they when they when they realize that you're going to move away and they want you, they'll often pull you back in. If they don't pull you back in, and that tells you all you need to know about the the, the deal in the first place. So um, yeah, I think they were things that I I learned and um, definitely took a lot from that uh, that episode, so to speak. Well, that's good. I get that's an excellent point that you raised, and it's something I, I spend my time teaching you know the people I work with that if you're in a meeting and it suddenly becomes hostile or uh, adversarial. Something's gone wrong. That usually, usually, most of the time, it's because the salesman said or done something. And it's trying to figure out that. But if it's not, I've said, if, if, if you feel it's not going well, you should actually call it. Don't be scared to ask the person a question. Look, can I ask you a question, Mr. Prospect? Is it me? Have I done something to piss you off? Or do you yeah. hate all salespeople? 
get it out on the table, right? Because if he's just being a dick for the sake of being a dick, you don't have to take it. Salespeople think they've got to take it. Well, this is my lot in life. I'm just grateful I'm talking to a human being with a pulse. No, get up and walk out. You don't have to sit there and be treated like you're scum because yeah. you're not, unless you did it. And right. if you did it, you need to figure out what it is I did or said and don't do it again. There's this thing called um, need for approval, which is like this sales competency that basically epitomizes this. And it is the one thing that holds back so many salespeople is they, they have a desire to be liked yes. by their prospect and they have a fear for pissing their prospects off. Yeah. And it's like asking those tough questions that they think, if I ask this question, this is going to derail the deal. Well, if you don't ask it, the deal the deal's probably going to be derailed anyway. Um, and I think I, I say this a lot of the time where I'm, I'm you know, listening to calls from my and, and, and meetings from my own, my own sales reps. Uh, and I kind of asked them, I said, what was going through your head at this point in the call? And they said, well, I really wanted to ask them this question. I just felt a bit uncomfortable doing it. And I kind of said, why did you feel uncomfortable? And they're like, well, just didn't want to piss them off. And I'm like, that's need for approval. You've got a high need for approval there when actually that was exactly the right question you should have been asking them at that point in the call. Um, and then because salespeople wonder why so many of their deals end in this kind of graveyard of no decision. You know, they're kind of like, you see it in their, their CRMs and their pipelines of like, just they've, they've, they've just kept those opportunities there and week after week, nothing happens with them. They don't move on and they kind of kid themselves that one day this prospect's going to wake up and go, ah, you know, Benjamin, um, I'm going to give him a call. I've decided I want to suddenly move this forward. Just doesn't happen like that. They, they, can't, they can't let go because they can't, they, they can't accept that if they ask tough questions that gives them answers that they don't really like, that's not, it's not it's what they don't want to hear. But actually, that is exactly what they should be doing. No, no, you're, you're, you're bang on the money. High need for approval is one of the biggest problems with salespeople. They, people who are naturally gravitas towards sales, which you did, you could have got any other crappy job, Right. But you gravitas towards sales because you think, well, yeah, I could do this. I'm a personable guy. I like meeting people. I, 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 I. And so they think that's what makes you good at sales. And then they carry them forward them. And like I said, only decision makers can get others to make decisions. So if you're opposite a CEO or an MD or a director, these guys make decisions all the time. So they'll ask tough questions because decision makers ask tough questions. If you can't do that back to them, they're never going to give you any money. They're never going to trust you. And you need them to trust you, not like you to buy from you. Oh, yeah. If you're in sales, find friends or prove you have value as a human, get out. Become a social worker, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This, uh, this isn't the place for it. I am. Um, this, this, this just really—you're you, just hitting on a spot that I, I just totally sings to my heart. Is you know, I have lost countless deals over the years where I was told by the prospect, you know what, I um, I like you the best. Out, you know, you, we, it was a competitive situation. Oh, I hated the other. I, I didn't, you know, the, I just didn't kind of warm to the salesperson. But I, I really like you, Rich. And you know, if I could, if it was based on, if it was based on just person and being a person, I would have chosen you. And I'm like, that's fine. You don't buy based on the fact that you like me and that you didn't like the other guy as much. You just believe that they can help you better than I could. Yeah. And and people still kid themselves, sales that it's like, oh yeah, I think I've I've got a really good relationship with this guy. Yeah, he really seemed to like me. He really, you know, we really got on well in that meeting. It's like, 
what does that even mean? Like, I've, I've heard that so many times before in my career, and I've still lost the deal. Why? Because people buy based on the company, the person that thinks is going to help them. There's the most best best fit for them. So, uh, yeah, this is, this is something that just winds me up when I hear this nonsense that gets talked about. Oh, I completely agree. I can imagine how many thousands of times a day is there someone in an office right now saying, the salesman's a knob, but their product's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They buy yeah. in spite of salespeople, not because of salespeople. And it's getting them to realize that you're a conduit for getting them to see that your product can fix their problem. That's it. You're not important. You could actually never give them your name or anything about you and they wouldn't care. Right. You know? But they have to do this because we've got these social graces. We do little bit of chit chats and where are you from? We do that, but we don't care. You know, and salespeople don't get that. They think they're bonding. They think they're building rapport. They think they're, no. I, I was I was listening to a uh, a call recently, and the, this was this was a it was an initial discovery conversation, where you have this was there was thirty minutes put aside with a senior person. I was like, you got thirty minutes, thirty minutes with this person, and that's your max. And you've got to get this person from here, as in like I'm not entirely sure why we're talking today, albeit this might sound interesting, to getting them to want to speak with you more in the next, by the end of that thirty minute. It's not a lot, lot, lot of time. You've got to move the needle every single question that you ask in that 30 minutes, because if you're not moving the needle, you can forget about the deal at the end of it. For the first 15, 10, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, the person, salesperson was asking about the weather and your family and oh, t- taught me about your, the products that you sell and who do you sell to? And I thought, None of the answers that you're going to get here are going to help you move this forward. Also, do you honestly think the prospect thinks that you actually care about the answers that they're giving you? They don't. No, so, no. so stop thinking that small talk equals building rapport. Just yeah, it bollocks. It. it is bollocks. You are right. You don't need to do any of that. You could be a complete prick, but if you ask the right questions and make the prospect realize, this guy knows what he's talking about. Right. I wouldn't want to have a beer with him. <laughs> yeah. But... He's, he's he's on the money. Therefore, I'm going to keep talking to him. And, and that's it. Most MDs you wouldn't want to hang out with, but they still do all right. Oh, yeah. They're not looking for friends. So, no, you are quite right. Okay, good. So, let me ask you this thing. Can you think of the worst, obviously no names for legal reasons, can you think of the worst sales manager or boss that you had in your sales career? And what was it about them that was so awful? Um. Yeah, there's there's kind of one that springs to mind. Um, um, I wouldn't say they were awful, so to speak. I would just say they were kind of atypical of um, a lot of uh, a lot of managers who are kind of they're like the black box. You know, they they still are doing a bit of selling themselves. Yes, but they don't want to share their kind of secrets and wisdom to other people. Oh. Because it's like if they're top of the leaderboard, as long as they're top of the leaderboard, they're still that they, you know, they look like the, the sunshine out their arse in the business. Yeah, actually, ego exactly. Yeah, what they should be doing is when you make the decision to become a manager, sales manager, sales leader. Yeah, you have to realize and accept that it's not about you anymore. Exactly correct. But you, it's not about you taking the glory. It's not. It's not about. It's about you. You. you it's you are empowering other people on your team to be successful because when they're successful as an, as a knock on impact of that, you look better, but there's too many people out there. And the example I've got in, in mind here is that there was still an element of, 
I want to be seen as the, the, the top revenue generator in the business. I'll kind of, you know, give you a bit of moral support every now and again. But, you know, I'm not going to give away my tricks to the trade. And it's like, hang on a second. That's not that's not the rule that you've that, that, that you're doing here. Yeah. Um, you have to. And I think this is just a, a massive problem in the industry where people are getting promoted to being sales managers because they were a good salesperson. Oh, they brought in some decent revenue. All right, here's the sales manager job. That's the natural promotion. Um, yet they've got no desire, no skill set um, to actually coach and empower their own their own people, which is ultimately what they should be doing. Yeah, exactly. I was talking to a sales a sales manager today, literally, and I said, he said we've been doing a lot of your stuff. We've watched a lot of videos, and it, and it works. And I've been getting the guys to watch it. We've been implementing mm-hmm. it, but it's going really well. And I said, so why do you need me? I mean, if you're figuring it out how to do it for free off of what I provide, you know, online, why do you need me? He goes, it's honestly, I go, yeah, he goes, I don't know why it works. He goes, but I can show people it, but I don't know why it works. I go, exactly. If you don't know why it works, you can't teach it, right? He goes, and that's right. because I'm the manager. I say, do this, and I demonstrate it, and it works. But if someone said, why? So I don't know. And, and he goes, and, 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 and there are so many sales managers like that. They get hired because they've got great sales skills. You say, but why are you good? Right. Oh, because people like my personality. I'm persistent. Uh, 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 I've got a good product knowledge base. So those aren't answers. It's that, no, why? What do you specifically do each and every time? And why does it work? And, and they look at you, they go, I, I don't know. I just know that if I do, da, 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 da. And that's the, fascinating. And it's amazing, right? And that's how I got into training. It's like someone said to me, why are you good at selling? I said, I don't know. And he said to me, if you could figure out why what you do works, I think you'd do all right out of this. And that's what got me on my journey to figure out how, how and why people sell the way they do. It's kind of this whole debate, Benjamin, around like art and science of like, and I think there's, there's too many people out there that say, oh, it's all about the art. It's like, yeah, he's just got something about him that yeah. makes him successful. And I'm like, well, hang on, that I'm not, I'm not buying that. I'm like, I agree that he might have something about him, but specifically, what are those things? So, and it's like when people can't tell you that, it's like, well, that is why this is this is less about being an art, which is just like you know, people look at people look at a. A, a picture with flicked paint on they oh it's a beautiful picture and they can't explain why it, the person who thinks it looks like a pile of shite yeah. and it's the and it's like well the the science is being able to specifically explain well they must do something different and if you knew those things then you'd be able to replicate them but too many people are like oh he's just he's just got an awe about him he's just yeah. he's got something you can't teach and, and it's they like hold that as you said like yeah they want to hold that to themselves because it's what they feel or they got you are correct. If I was to, if someone said to me, what would you, is science art or uh, is selling art or science? I'd say it's theatre because theatre mm. is both art and science because good, yep. good actors have trained and studied. Right. And then they go out and they deliver theatre. They deliver art. They can adapt and mould. So we're in the same business. It's, it's, it's basically, it's, selling is acting for ugly people. <laughs> That's all this is, right? I'd fit, I'd fit, I'd fit in that, car, uh, that category, Definitely. so yeah. This is why so many want to hide behind LinkedIn. You don't have to actually see them or meet them. <laughs> yeah, you know, this is, this is how social selling came about. Right. Yeah, people are getting uglier. <laughs> yeah, certainly, <laughs> during, certainly during lockdown. <laughs> exactly, right? So we hide behind the photo of us 12 years ago when we were thin. 
Yeah. 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 There's a reason I'm holding on to my profile picture for your life. We're all guilty of it, right? So, <laughs> so cool. All right. Couple more questions. Looking back on your 14 years in South, what, what piece of advice would you give to you starting out again? Would you say, don't do it? find something else? Probably not because you're in it 14 years later. What would you give your, your starting out? What would you say to somebody? What would you say to you? Yeah, well, first of all, I love this profession. You know, I, I struggle to see myself doing anything else. Um, and that's not because I'm like, feel like I'm locked into this, like, you know, cage and I sales cage and I can't get out. It's a genuine as a year by year. I um, admire the profession more and more. And I think there's a, I do believe that even though it is still terrible out there in the main, there is, um, I think things are on the up somewhat as far as sales as a profession, albeit I think, as I said, I think there's a long, long way to go. But if I was to go back, what would I, what would I tell myself? Well, I remember the first, um, let's call it like few years. Well, in fact, put it this way, I, I believe I've learned more about sales in the last four years than I probably did in the 10 years before it yeah um and and so I think with that in mind like I probably invested I've invested more time myself in studying sales learning about sales immerse myself in sales content being coached coaching other people um and I think I didn't do a lot of that I was kind of trying to learn by osmosis back then for too long and I probably made far less commission than I could have and was far less successful than I could have been um so and I just think there's no excuse now there's like maybe back then I can one excuse I could use is that like the amount of free information out there available is incredible now like you could you could a new salesperson could go on your YouTube channel, Ben Benjamin, and, and learn stuff. Learn yeah. stuff that probably would never have been accessible for uh, 10, 10 years ago. Yeah. Um probably would have you'd have to have had to pay to actually to, to actually watch it. Um and there is there is lots of stuff like that out there that you could, even if you've got nobody else training you or coaching you, you could teach yourself some stuff versus just, you know what, I'm just gonna figure this stuff out as I go along. Okay. Um so I'd say for me, that is probably the, the, the main one. The other, the other one is kind of triggered back to what I, I said before is, is need for approval. Like yeah. understand your self-worth in sales. Do not be a pussy salesperson who just, you know, kind of goes, ends sales calls by, yeah, maybe we'll speak next week and maybe we'll catch up and, you know, when you're ready, you know, is, is have the nuts to control your destiny in sales and, and understand that, you know, you don't, you don't need prospects. You don't need prospects. Um, stop, stop thinking that every that that you you have to you owe something to prospects who simply aren't going to buy from you. So I think just having that mentality change a lot earlier would I think would have seen me do a lot better. Yeah. It is. It all ultimately comes back to mindset and how you see yourself and right because it determines how you behave and act. And the number one reason, so I've never met a salesperson that lacks confidence because this is the number one thing that comes up every time. I think they just need a bit more confidence. They just need a bit. more it's like, you know, they don't have a confidence problem. What drives confidence? And they, it takes them all. Yeah, it's belief. They have right. the wrong beliefs. They believe the wrong things about them, the product, their prospect, their role, their place, their value, their worth, their money concepts, all of their beliefs determine how they behave. And I'd say, I'd say yeah, definitely belief. I'd also say like skill set as well. Like you, yes. you, when you get better at something, you inherently get more confident at it. Yeah. Um, so that's why people should be investing in if you're not getting invested in from your business, invest in yourself externally 
to get training, coaching, development. Otherwise, what you're doing, you're festering away in a profession. You know, profession. We call it profession, but you're literally treating it like a, a job in... I mean, you get... You get For I, most I, people, it is a job. Yes, you know, most salespeople, if you ask, oh, I've got 10 years' experience. No, you haven't. You've had the same year 10 times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that exactly. Experience. That, that is a life sentence, not a career. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Great way of putting it. It's, it's a, but yet you see a lawyer or a surgeon or accountant. Are they the same ten years into their career? No. If you if you work in Starbucks or Costa Coffee, you're getting you're getting trained every every quarter on this is how to perfect your cappuccino skills. Like you get there's people are better trained in in bloody Costa and Starbucks than they're all working for you know yeah. in you know well paid B two B sales sales roles. It is crazy. All right. Well, look, hey, hey, Richard, I've really enjoyed this chat. We've come to the half hour bit, so we're going to let you go because I know people's attention span wanes 30 minutes in. So, Richard, one last thing. If people wanted to get a hold of you at your company, where's the best place to reach you? What are you contacting? Just um, connect with me on LinkedIn, uh, Richard Smith, um, and you type in Refract. Otherwise, there's about 100 million of us out there. Um, So, yeah, uh, find me on there. Uh, I'm the one with the uh, profile picture where it has more hair on my head than I currently have today. So, uh, uh, the um, old photo. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, Richard, it's been a real honor. Uh, it's been great having you on the show. I hope you've enjoyed it at home watching this. And um, if you'd like to be a guest, you're an ordinary salesman with some great stories. And just, just reach out. Like I say, this isn't for leaders or gurus. It's just for ordinary run-of-the-mill sales guys and gals like Richard and I. All right, folks, I hope you've enjoyed it and I'll see you on the next episode. See you, Richard. Cheers.